Five, four, three, two, one. If we have any goals this season? Absolutely. We're going to win a lot of games. We're going to get in the playoffs. No, I don't care about breaking records. I just want to win games. Bears Nation. And now on third down, Fields are Obviously, he had that really nice third down run. It was amazing, you know, to give us a chance to win the game. Oh, they missed it. He missed the extra oh, point. No. Some things in the kicking game, we got to do a better job. Obviously, the missed extra point. We lose. It's time for the Bears Nation podcast with your hosts, Kevin Lapka. Damn. That hurt. It was bad. That's terrible. And Jake Hassan. Man, it's harder than I thought. You guys suck. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We do not suck. Okay? Powered by, powered by, powered by Bet, Bet, Bet Stamp. Yo, are y'all ready for the show? Strap it in. It's Bears Nation, baby. All right, it is Monday. It is November 14th. This is Bears Nation podcast brought to you as always by Bet Stamp. Go to Bet Stamp, use code BEARS. Help you find the best prices, help you find the best value when you're placing your bets, and that will help you win more money. And who doesn't want more money? So go to BetStamp, use our code BEARS when you sign up for BetStamp. Help us help you help them help yourself by going to BetStamp. This is Bears Nation Podcast. Myself, Jake Hassan, as always, with Kevin Lapka. And I'm just going to sit back for a couple minutes and let Kevin Lapka cook. What do you what do you want me to cook about? The fact that I'm upset that we lost this game? Is that where we're going with this right off the bat? Because that's where we're going with it, Jake. Because I put it in the description of this video. I know we're on completely opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to this. And I know I'm in the minority when it comes to this. That game on Sunday is a game you cannot lose. I don't care if you're 0 and 8. If you're 8-0, it doesn't matter. You do not lose to the Detroit Lions at home. With the the way that Justin Fields played, everything that occurred in that game, you don't lose. And for people saying, I don't care, draft pick, draft pick, draft pick, there's truth to it. Don't get me wrong. There is a silver lining to it. And I was watching Jordan Addison highlights. I was watching Jackson Smith and Jigba highlights and watching Quentin Johnson highlights last night. Trust me, I was. But if you just go watch... You just go watch the Detroit Lions TikTok page, or you go listen to Detroit Lions fans all over the internet. You, as I am Scox in the chat says, no business losing that game. It is about establishing a culture, establishing a standard, and that standard for the Chicago Bears for pretty much the entire time that I've been alive has been you beat the Detroit Lions at home. You beat them, regardless of who the quarterback is, whether it's Josh McCown, whether it's Jay Cutler. It you beat the Detroit, whether it's Mitch Trubisky who owned the Detroit Lions, Chase Daniel, you beat them. And now you've got Justin Fields here, who's the most talented quarterback to ever come through this franchise. And the standard holds, regardless of the situation. I was embarrassed yesterday at the end of that game. I was embarrassed to be a Bears fan that you lost that game at home. And all of these fans that are saying, oh, it's 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 just about the draft. That's all that matters. No, that's not all that matters. It matters. Don't get me wrong, but it's not all that matters. Winning football games matters, and the standard and culture that is being implemented by Matt Eberflus is one where you don't lose to the Detroit Lions at home, and they did that. I'm still overwhelmingly 
content about what occurred during the game because of the things that Justin Fields did. But you just don't, you, you just, you, I, you just can't lose that game. And we'll talk about where, how that happened, where that went wrong. But I was pissed, Jake. I was pissed. Like I tweeted it. I was like, was. Oh, I, about tense. I, I, I still am. You don't lose that game. Like that is a team you for weeks for the past three weeks have proven that, or, or I've said, and, and really showed for the most part that you're not one of the bottom feeders, right? Your, 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 your offense is putting up 29 plus points a game. You're clicking on all cylinders. You're good enough to beat, to be in the in the running with a team like the Dolphins, you're good enough to be beat the the uh, New England Patriots. Where if the Patri- the playoffs ended today, they'd be in it. You're good enough to hang in there pretty much against the Dallas Cowboys for a majority of the game. Like you don't lose to that team, Detroit at home when the whole world is saying you're going to win. I just it's frustrating. I'm pissed. You can't lose that game. You you get you improve draft capital. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited about the possibilities that have, that are open to you because of having a top 10 pick and I'm not going to be ignorant to the fact that it helps your franchise in the long run but I I just you don't lose that game and every Bears fan should feel the same way cuz for a majority of the 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 time that these Bears fans have been alive it has been a normal it has been a norm rather that you do not lose to the Detroit Lions at home in that fashion and they once again found another way to just lose in just typical Bears fashion just finding a new way to lose each week it's it's insane and you know, it, Justin Fields doesn't deserve it. Justin Fields does not deserve it. Like I posted on Instagram today uh, on our podcast page, no help. And then it was a picture of Justin Fields, no help, because that's what he's got. He's got no help. And that's the end of my little rant. I, I'm upset, Jake. I know you're sitting, Jake, if you guys are listening to this in podcast form, which a majority of you are, Jake has just <laughs> literally kicked his feet up on the desk and is just laying back in his chair, hands behind his head, chilling because he's fine. He doesn't care. Bears improved their draft capital, and he's happy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me up. <clears throat> Clear my throat <laughs> for a second. <sighs> this is great podcasting right now. I love it. Give me oh, all the God. weird ways, all the backwards circus ways to lose. Give me all of them. I want, for the rest of the year, find new ways. That was hysterical, the way you lose that game. On a missed PAT from your kicker, who has been nails for the better part of two years. It was so funny that that's how you lost that game. It is great. Give me all of it. Shock me again next week. If you had asked me all the ways that the Bears were going to lose that game, Cairo Santos missing an extra point would have been I, don't think, I would have never even mentioned it. If you gave me a hundred times, probably, I probably would have never said that's how you lose that game. It is hilarious. It is great. It is fan fucking tastic. I will take that every which way. I hope they find a new weird way, bizarro world way to lose next week too against the Falcons. I hope they do. That's hysterical. Again, I will come on this podcast for the second week in a row now and say that is the ideal way that you want to lose. You, you're oh. here, Kevin, and you're like, listen, and I get it. I get why you're upset. You've always, like, in the history of this podcast, you've always been that guy where you ride or die, you're letting your feelings show, you're always going to root for it. You've been, and, and I respect you for that because you stick to your guns and you don't waver from that. And I respect, I respect that a lot about you. And here's the thing. You're presenting it like, oh, you can't lose that game. Like, you just went in there and you just lost. You didn't get run out of the building. It's not like you it's not like you went there and you got run circles around you. The Lions, there's not much for them to hang their head on. They lost on a fluke. How many teams in the NFL? I mean, recently a lot, actually, but lose on an extra point. 
Like, it's not like you went in there and Justin Fields threw, uh, you know, four interceptions. He had one bad throw, and it was a pick six. But how how long has it been since we've seen him make a throw like that? Over a month, well over a month. And granted, a lot of that was game plan. He wasn't throwing a lot. But he hasn't had a throw even kind of in the same zip code as that in a very long time. Not damn well over the last month that he's been playing awesome. Like, if you're going to lose games like that, fine. Hook it. Like, I'm ready. Put all those kinds of circus bizarre. I get it. Losing sucks. You don't want to root for losses. But I'm sitting there. You know, I'm shout out Sam and Ilian Lang. We're at the bar and we're watching this game. And I'm just like, what can you do? Like, it's not like there wasn't like that back breaking moment. There wasn't that like, God, everything's you're here. Justin Fields plays really, really well once again. And here's the thing. You talk about culture and, you know, what you're instilling in this locker room and what you're trying to build there. You go in and that, and I get it. I'm sure they're rallying the troops like, we got to get this together. These losses are unacceptable. This sucks. And sure, they're going to say that. But what do you think, Matt? Like, what the, yeah, the defense stinks. We knew that was going to happen. But it's not like you're like, well, we're just losers. No, you just lost on a fluky play. Like, you, you're this close. And really, it, and you know, this was also part of like why I felt good about this. The last play of the game, when Justin Fields on the fourth down, once again, has the ball in his hands with the chance to make a big play. Did any one of us not think that Justin Fields was about to make a huge play to win you the game? Did any one of us not think that? Especially when he sheds three, four would-be tacklers. I don't know how he stayed upright. And that happened a lot yesterday. Like, that that wasn't the only time that that happened. But end of the game, last play, that's what you ask for. And once you get this guy, a Jackson Smith and Jigba or Jordan Asson, whoever it may be, you know, or once Chase Claypool starts getting on the field more, you know, that time around, he's running around, he's making something out of nothing, and you get the moment that gets you the win. Eventually, that's going to happen. That's two weeks in a row now where just he was doing what he had to do. It's just that it didn't it didn't go your way. And that's fine. Like, again, you're not getting circles running around. And back to my original point of, you know, oh, well, the, the culture and the locker room. Jalen Johnson went on the score today and said, yeah, you know, we shouldn't lose that game. And that that they know – it's not like they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we just stink. They know they're a decent team. They know they got players. They're just losing games. And that's what happens in the National Football League. Everybody's going to lose games. Like, nobody in that locker room is like, yeah, we're just losers now. We're, we're the laughing stock. You know damn well that this team knows they're shorthanded because they traded two of their two best defensive players over the last couple of weeks. They just started getting their quarterback playing well. They're still far and away one of the least talented teams in the NFL. And again, of course, they're not saying that and they're not acknowledging that in that building. But we know that with our eyeballs, the Lions are going to fire Dan Campbell at the end of the year. They can laugh all they want all the way to the bank on Twitter, when they hit that restart button again this offseason, when they have another new head coach, and I think Dan Campbell's fine as an assistant. He's clearly not a head coach. Just isn't. He won two games in a row. Great. Division games, great. He's still getting fired at the end of the year. Does anybody here I don't not know. Think, does anybody here not think that Dan Campbell's getting fired? You know, I you're think they three, might give him another if, shot. If you're in year three and they only win four games again, like who else are the Lions beating? You're like you're probably gonna yeah. like you're probably gonna split with the Lions. They're not gonna beat you again. Who else are the Lions beating? Like, Dan Campbell's getting fired. They're hitting a reset. They're having a rookie quarterback next year when they're picking top three in the draft. Correct. And really, the Lions, if they win this game, they might slide more down. They might not get younger Stroud at this point. Carolina's taking one, and they're going to be ahead of them. The Texans might take one of them. Is Davis Mills really answering Houston? Like, the Lions can laugh all the way to another year of Jared Goff. Congratulations. That's great. 
The Bears, and I know, and I know this stung to see, but Joe, and I know Joe's probably watching this right now. He's right. The difference between number six and number 22 is so insane. I get it, Kevin. You're right. You can find value later in the draft, but wouldn't you rather have the pick of the litter? Wouldn't you rather have the uh, the opportunity to take a Jalen Waddle? Of course you would. I get it. Yeah, and there's people in their lives. Oh, well, Tom Brady's a sixth round. How many times has that happened in the NFL? Right. You want to be near the top. Listen, I told you guys time and time and time again, this is not a Super Bowl team. You want to be the Rams? You want to be the Rams that are trying Matt Stafford out there to try and piece it together and hope for a miracle run? Is that really what you want? No, you want to have the whole team, and you want to have everybody in place. You have the quarterback. You have, by all means, the offensive play caller. It seems like you have a decent head coach and you know who could possibly be top 15, top half of the NFL in the coach. You have all these things. If you lose a couple games in 2022 where you are going nowhere anyway, if it gets you to where you want to be, isn't that the goal? Like, Kevin, we did this a couple years ago and, and where the Bears were kind of in the hunt and they were kind of, you know, maybe it was the last uh, Mitch Trubisky. Year. And, you know, they're kind of around 500. There's a couple games that if the ball bounces the right way. Maybe, you know, you're in the, and at the end of the year, you're in the hunt graphic. And you we were having the same discussion. You're like, you got to play to win games. You can sneak into the playoffs. Da, 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 da. And then draft time came around. The offseason came around. The dust settled. And remember, do you remember how you felt? You were like, shit, you know, we, what was it for? What was the point? Like, that's where we're, that's what this is. This is what exactly what this is. But the stakes are higher. The stakes are way higher now. Like, see, I, I would disagree, actually. Like, for, uh, no, they're way higher. You, we've talked all year. We're 10 weeks into the 11 weeks into this now where we're like, Justin Fields needs help. Wouldn't you rather have the right. pick of the litter of those guys? So this draft, the better your draft position is, even if it's an offensive lineman, even if it's Will Anderson and you get a star for the defense, you need to make this team better around Justin Fields. If you're picking 22nd, your chances of that are significantly, substantially lower, substantially by leaps and bounds. So, yeah, maybe I'm a loser. Maybe I'm a jerk for rooting for losses. I'm not rooting for losses. I'm still sitting there. I'm invested still. I'm cheering just as hard when Cole Komet drops in for that touchdown, when Justin Fields is making something out of nothing and scampering for those long touchdown runs. I'm just as invested. I'm not sitting there pouting when they score touchdowns. I like to see it just as much, but I'm still hoping that they find these backwards-ass ways to lose because then you're going to be in a better position once it gets to April. That's what we want. We want to be here in 12 months and we want the record to be flipped. We want to be, you know, six and three or whatever it is. You know, that's the goal. That's the goal. Call me an idiot on Twitter all you want. Call me an idiot in the comments all you want. You're not. That's fine. Like, I I get it. Oh, people who root for losses are so dumb and negative. Yeah. Like, that's that you have to know where you're at as a football team. If you beat the Lions, so what? What does it get you? Yeah, you get a win column, and yeah, it's good. But yeah, sure. Like, you think anybody in that locker room doesn't have pride still? They're grown-ass men in the NFL. Yeah, I know. I know it stings. I know it sucks to lose. But at the end of the day, if you want to get better, you're going to have to take some of these losses right now. It's not going to happen magically. Nobody's walking through that door, and it's just like, hey, like Jacob Smith and Jigba, how do you expect to get him on the team? How do you expect to Oh, come on. How do you expect to – but you've got to make it an alluring situation. I know it's Chicago. It's a premier franchise that only goes so far. You have to have guys that want to come play with your quarterback and with your team. Like you can't just trade for Chase Claypool. And I've been very 
very, very, very open about how I think Chase Claypool may, might not be that like superstar. See, I think he'd be good, but I don't think he's a superstar. If you want to get the talent that you need to make Justin Fields reach that next level and to get back to the playoffs and to win a playoff game and not just get ran through in a first division, like a first round game, like that's what you need to do. I know it sucks. I know you don't want to cheer for losses. You don't have to cheer for losses, but you're going to have to lose some of these games. Like it can't, you can't have both. You can't. You, you can't. You can't have both. You can, because the, the bottom line is you don't, and I am Scott just put this in the chat. There's a difference between, you know, wanting and needing a top five pick. The you Bears are a in a position. I, you I, don't, could not, I could not disagree with that you, more. The only team that needs a top five pick are teams desperate for a quarterback. You do not need a top five pick when you have the quarterback figured out. All right. Now, other the other reason, the other factor that leads me to believe the way I believe about this certain situation is there is no Jalen Waddle in this draft. There's no Jamar Chase. Like I, I like Jackson Smith and Jigba. I liked what I saw from Jordan Addison last time when I was watching more of the type. I know Quentin Johnson is an athletic freak. None of those guys are in the same tier, in my opinion, right now as a prospect as Jalen Waddle or Jamar Chase or even Justin Jefferson. You know, back in 2020, well, and no, I know Justin nobody's Jefferson Justin Jefferson. so far. Like we, we well, saw right, that but someday. but nobody as a prospect. As a prospect, you know, for some reason, Jalen Rager was taking over him. You know what I mean? So I don't feel the need. Like tanking to me is is less of a priority when you don't need a quarterback and there's not that premier wide receiver that I want them to have. Like if there was a guy who was sure, like, I'll be completely transparent. If Marvin Harrison Jr. were coming out this class I might think differently, 100%, 100% transparently, sure. I might think differently. But because there's not that guy for me, I think you can get the benefit of the doubt of establishing a good culture by winning football games with a young head coach and still getting a very talented player to help your quarterback, whether it's pick 10 or pick 15. Like, these guys, in such a loaded QB draft, in, in, in a pretty solid you know, defensive front draft, I, I gotta look more. I don't believe it's that solid of a secondary draft this year. Like, you're not gonna see a three, a three, three wide receivers go before you know pick ten. You're not gonna see that. Like, the last wide receiver will probably be taken of those three. Say it's Addison and Jigba and Quentin Johnson. Someone else is probably gonna like Keishon Booty's probably gonna jump up there too. Like, one of those guys would be available for you at like pick seventeen or pick fifteen, in my opinion. Like honestly, I and 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 now the benefit. So if we are talking, okay, the past is the past. I, I I was upset, sure. Like it doesn't matter anymore what I think about that that loss. Okay, it doesn't matter that the game is over and the Tankathon currently has the Bears at sixth overall, I believe, right? Yep. So now you know, what, regardless of my morals, I do have to think logically as a Bears fan. And okay, you're at pick six, like. This goes back to the point of not needing a top five pick. My best option, if I were the GM at pick six at this given moment, would be to trade back 100%. And you might even be doing it with the Detroit Lions. I mean, I, I wouldn't do it with a division of, you know, a division rival right. who would probably be moving up to that spot to get a franchise quarterback. But if you're pick six and you can gain a, a lot of capital and assets to move back, even if it's just three spots and still be in a position to get in Jackson Smith and Jigbo or Jordan Addison or Quentin Johnson. Are you not doing that? I mean, you're hundred percent doing that. So there is, that is the benefit of well, it. But that, that gets into the what about isms of like what polls values, what he's looking for. But yeah, I mean, to your point, the higher you are in the draft, the more assets people are going to want to give up to switch with you. 
even if it is a yes, spot it's, or it's two. True. Like people, yes. like people, are, like you really think the Rams? Rams, like look what the Bears did to move from three to two in the Mitch Trubisky draft. Like look how much they right. and granted the 49ers didn't exactly use those picks well, but look what they gave up for one spot, you know? So what if I told you this? Okay, I, I get what maybe you don't love the receivers. Fine. What if I told you, okay, because also you're tied in the win column now with New Orleans and who else? In Carolina. Carolina. And you're tied. So you're at three and seven with Carolina, New Orleans, and Jacksonville. And Vegas has one on one less win than you. So you're in the ballpark here. Like, you could very easily be picking three. Like, now, if I told you, I get it. Like, this is why I think you do need a top three pick or top five pick. Because look at what, look at the state of what the defense was. Now, you're telling me if you can't get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter to be the cornerstone, to be the centerpiece of that mm-hmm. defense for the next 10 years? Like, that, those are two guys that are transformative type of players for the defense. That immediately makes you a playoff team again. Because your defense is competent again, and we know what the offense is. And then, sure, maybe draft Kayshawn Booty or whoever at the end, you know, trade back into the first or in the second or however. I don't like, know. Sure. Don't know. If you don't love the receivers, then you go a different way. You get Skaronsky to protect Justin Fields for the next 10 years. That'll do wonders. Like, there, even if it's not a receiver, sure. I, and I know why people are fixating on the receivers. And I, hell, I agree. I, the, we need, you need a superstar receiver, whether that's through free agency or the draft, whatever that remains to be seen. But, even if it's not a receiver at the top of the draft, if you can get Anderson or Skaronsky, like one of these guys who are going to be a centerpiece for 10 years, possible star players, that's the point. I know when you look at just the receivers, then maybe it's a little bit lost. But, dude, like they're at the top five, you can still get a dude that transforms your offense or especially your defense if you're top three. Like if you're if you're the third pick and you get Anderson, you're I will, I will come on this show and I also, yep, Bears, 10 wins, playoffs. I will 100% do that. That's the type of player, especially that Anderson is. Like, that's a transformative type of guy. That's what I'm rooting for. Like, that's like maybe, maybe, yes. Okay. Am I going to, am I going to, you know, be upset about losses? No, because I'm, and this is always, you know, you know me as far as long as we've done the show together. When it's seasons like this, I'm already looking to the future. Like, I'm already looking to next season. And we know that next season is when that window gets thrown all the way open for the Bears. Like, of course, assuming you use the money correctly and you draft some guys again. Like, Ryan Poles, after one draft, have pretty decent confidence that he can pick guys in the later rounds that can be contributors too. So imagine what Ryan Poles is going to do with a top five pick. Like, that's what I'm rooting for here. Not rooting for losses. I'm rooting for future wins. And maybe that's galaxy braining it. To, to, to present it like future wins. No, it's but not. Like, that's what it is here. I have the same goal as everyone else. Everyone in the chat, everyone listening to this, everyone watching this, all, you know, everyone on Twitter who wants to be mad at me and mad at Joe and mad at everyone else who's saying wins aren't that bad or wins, losses aren't that bad and it's okay to lose these games. Go ahead, be mad, but this is so much better for next year. And I'm sorry if that's annoying and I'm sorry if that sucks to hear. Yeah, of course. But like, that's how you have to look at it at this point, because that's where you are. You're going nowhere fast. So you might as well rack up some losses, try to get that top five pick and try to get one of those guys like Anderson. It's not annoying. I understand where you're coming from. Now, here's the flip side of that coin when you're talking about how it you know correlates and relates to what happens next year. Part of what I'm afraid of and part of the reason why I root for wins you know, at this point is would you feel a lot better about your projection of the team going into next year? 
if you're able to look back on this year and say, hey, you know, we beat the Detroit Lions with ease. We were hanging in there. We, we beat a good team uh, like the Patriots, right? And, and you carry momentum into 2023. Now, say you lose out, say you end 3-14, and 14, what, what belief is there in the locker room that, hey, whatever Matt Eberflus told us throughout the, the 2022 season is going to correlate to wins. Oh, we got to keep going. We already heard from Justin early in the year. He's tired of you know, being told we're this close, tired of being told we're almost there. Like, at some point, especially with the style that Matt Eberflus coaches, we've talked about before with hits, and he's very, you know, you know, the more you run, the more you practice, the, the more we're going to, you know, win on the field. And the more he preaches that, and it doesn't equate to wins, like, it gets it gets hard to, to believe. It gets hard as a team to believe. And now, it's not saying that if the Bears were to end up with a 5-1 season that it's impossible for them to be good next year. But think about it. Would you rather go into next year where you know that the window is open next year? A lot of other teams in your situation who are tanking, who need a quarterback, their window is three years from now. It doesn't even – like, they have to draft the quarterback, then groom the quarterback, then enter their Carolina, window. The, Carolina's screwed. Sure. Carolina's screwed. Like, the Bears are the are still – in the best situation of any team in the rebuilding phase in the NFL, by far, mm-hmm. not even close. Like it, it is not even close. But those teams that are currently losing games like this, who who can who can you know really validate the tank argument, have nothing to play for next year. Ha, don't have to look back at this year's games and use them as you know belief factors for next year. The head coach is probably going to get fired. You know, if not already has been in the case of Carolina, right? Like or Indianapolis, but I just, I think when you are going into next year and you're looking at, okay, it, it, it's, it's July now and it's June and we're on this show and we're talking about how good can this team be? Can they compete? You know, you're going to sign free agents. You're going to draft rookies, but it, it's still unknown. Those guys are unknown. Chase Claypool, a guy you trade for 10 days ago is, is, or 11 days ago is unknown, right? Like you, you don't know. You don't know if Ryan Poles is really good at drafting in the first round. He hasn't drafted anyone in the first round yet. You know what I mean? A lot of busts come out of the first round. It busts. The risk factor is there. I just would like to be able to go into next year with a little bit of belief and a little bit of momentum saying, hey, we, you know, we were a competitive team last year. And if we were a competitive team with this roster, just imagine what we could be with these pieces. And then you could say, hey, we beat X, X team, this team, manhandled the Lions with these guys on offense. Oh, just imagine what we can do with Jackson Smith and Jigba. Just imagine what we can do with, you know, whatever free agents you're going to sign defensively. Right now, you can't say that. I think you can, but you can't assuredly say, like, acquiring that talent is is going to, you know, increase the belief factor. So I believe it is, but I just want a little bit of momentum to be there going into next year. That That's sort of my shtick. And I just think both things, I think, and both things can be true. Like, well, everything that you're saying is, is 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 true, and a lot of it is just moral and ethical. It just however you you feel about it, you know. However, if you want to just root for wins or or not, right? That is just personal choice. Like there, there's really no right or wrong way to look at it as a fan. We're not telling you how to think here, but just going into next year when we believe that that is the Super Bowl window that's opening, it would be nice to have a little momentum. That that's really the hill that I'm dying on. So I get the momentum argument, and I totally understand. It's an argument that gets made a lot. Uh, I think that momentum can kind of be overblown sometimes. Like, like look what happened to the Rams. The Rams had the most momentum in the entire world, you know, coming into this season after a Super Bowl. The Bengals had the most momentum in the entire world after a miracle run in the playoffs, and look where it got them. 
They're kind of just an average team now. I would I would share your worry about maybe this team like not being, you know, being a little down or not, you know, having the momentum to get up for next season or, you know, however you want to say it. You know what I'm trying to say. I would be worried about that more if you told me, oh, yeah, this team's going to be exactly the same next year. Like exactly how it is now. That's exactly what it's going to be next year. Then, yeah, I'd be like, well, shit, well, you're screwed then. But there's going to be so many new faces and so many. And does Justin Fields in his third year, like, do are we really worried that Justin Fields is going to be like, well, another losing season. Let me just kind of like sit no, back here. No, not like that. That's not going to happen. Matt Eberflus isn't that type of coach. Like in his second year, there's still going to be that belief factor. And I just go back to there's going to be so many new faces that are going to be like the hype is going to be rolling. Like people are going to be ready to talk up the bears. Like look what happened this year with really nothing. And we were just excited about just Justin Fields on, on his own in year two as the unquestioned starter. Like look at what, mm-hmm. how much hype we got for th- like that. Imagine when you add a couple offensive linemen, a couple receivers, like then just imagine how that hype train starts to get going. And I go back to my original point on this too. I would be worried about this. You know, you say you look back on the season and you're going to be like, oh, what are you going to point out? That would be fine, and, and like that would be true if, again, you were getting run circles around you, if you were just getting laughed out of the building. You're playing what? Like, your offense is playing so, so good right now. Like, Cole Komet, his stock is going all the way up. Justin Fields looks like 100%. he's going to be a star. Like, you're playing well, like on offense especially. Like, you're playing really well. So when you look back at the season, you're going to be like, look how we progressed from the first four weeks to then right after that, after that mini buy, look what happened and look how our trajectory and our arrow went up and up and up and up. And again, it goes back to the most important position in sports, the quarterback. Look how well our quarterback played. Look, imagine the jump he can make next year. Imagine what's going to happen when he gets actual weapons. Like they're not, I'm not worried about that because this team, it's going to be built in for them to get high. Yeah. What's better for establishing the culture is when you come shot out of a cannon next year. And when you're like, and you're ready and you're ready to go and you hit the ground running and you got the traction right. on like that. That's what's great for culture. When you know you're a good team, you're not a good team right now. What's great for culture is adding guys and having new faces. Like you think like, let's say, you know what, you know, they sign a premier offensive lineman. You think he's going to walk in there and not be the captain of that unit and not be like, all right, boys, let's fucking go now. Like you think that's not going to happen? Of course. No, it's I think happen. it will. Like you're right. I, I, so, I get it. So like I get it. I get like, you want to get that feeling of winning and you want to get used to that. But if it's delayed by nine months, I, I'll be okay over it. Yeah. That's that. I, yeah, it, it's I, the belief factor thing. Like it, it will exist. Like they're, they're not just going to be, yeah. Oh, because we were three wins. Like it, it'll be there. It's just, it would be nice to have a little bit of momentum and, and really sure. just to see, you know, I, I also do uh, want to say that, you know, people complain about talent, and rightfully so. The Bears probably have the least amount of talent, you know, yep. around Justin Fields. Hundred uh, percent. No, 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 no. They, they. I mean, comparatively, it's close. To, yeah, I mean, like it's, the it's Panthers, right? Match, and, and 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 probably the least amount of talent defensively. I mean, statistically, yeah. from a statistical standpoint, uh, this is where I was going with this. Uh, they spend the least amount of money on offense and the least amount of money on defense of any team in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and that that that's where it goes, but. At, at some point as well, and, te- and the better teams in the league have showed you this year after year after year, game after game after game, you know, t- a good team with a good coaching staff can elevate talent and, and make it less of a factor than it is. And that's ev- that was evident in the in the Patriots game. 
evident in the Dolphins game, right? Like, elevate your talent to a point where you're competing with teams that are spending $100 million more than you on each side of the ball. You know what I mean? And I would just like to see, it would just be nice to see, you know, those equate to wins. I, that That's, that's what I think. Let, let's move on to something else because it's, the bottom line is, regardless, like, there's a positive. Like, yeah. I, in my opinion, 100%. if we're they about win to talk or lose, about a lot of them, there's, there, yeah, there's a positive if they win or lose like that. And I said that before the game, I said, I'm going to be rooting for win because at the time they're still in the playoff hunt. But if they lose, there's a silver lining. And I, I think I promised myself I wouldn't be that, that upset about losing. But I think part of it has to do with the fashion in which you lost, like a game where you thought you had it won. You're sitting there, you're ready to shit talk the Lions fans. And then it falls apart right in front of your eyes by the most, you know, impossible, the thing that we thought was most impossible, which was a Cairo Santos missed extra points right. to the game. It's just, it's just frustrating, especially when, because I think we are conscious of this as well, Jake, like we're conscious of the narratives that have been starting to be pushed already by local Chicago media. Like, no, sorry, like I was a journalism major in college and I got a lot of friends who write, but what the ever the hell does sometimes put on the front page of their paper is exactly that what was bad. Reprint. That, That's why that people don't bad. reprint journalism anymore. Like a lot of the journalists in the Bears media have no effing clue what matters right now. No effing clue. And those guys are a lot more talented than I am right now. I'm a 22 year old kid coming out of college. They're a lot smarter, a lot more talented. But you're really pitching the narrative that Justin's Fields doesn't have it because yeah. they haven't won the past three games. What are you watching? Like, do you have eyes? Right. And it's you wonder why people would rather go and watch a YouTube, like watch a, a YouTube video instead of read your 30 page article about about nonsense. Like, yeah. it's just that, it's that frustrating. Was bad. I, I, I agree. That was really bad because, uh, I mean, like I said, to open the show, did any of us really like not have the feeling that Justin Fields was about to make some crazy play to win you the game there. Like, and and well, this is how we can start our, you know, conversation about the actual game. The, uh, like how he just stays up and just like sheds tacklers, especially in the backfield and avoids these sacks. It blows my mind. Like, let's talk about that last play on its own. Like he got hit three times before he actually went down like, he's just shaking dudes off. And again, Justin Fields is a big dude. He's, what, 6'3 and 230 or something like that? Like, yeah. I think that's what he's listed at. Like, again, he's a strong man. But, like, how he does this, like, when he does the reverse roll, like, when he does the roll, the flip back, it's, like, it's it, it's almost sexual content. Like, it's, oh like, I, it's magic. <laughs> it's legitimately magic. Like, I don't know how he, like, he's going and then he just flips and he's gone. And it's crazy. Like, he's just, like, He's just elusive. He's strong. He takes these hits. He shrugs them off in the backfield, and he still makes good throws, you know, for the most part. And, of course, as he gets, you know, more mature and as he, like, you know, becomes a better quarterback as he ages, like, that will get better, too. Like, there's no reason to think it's not going up. Like, his just pure athleticism. Like, that happened multiple times yesterday where he gets hit by one guy and he looks like he's going down. And somehow he's still up and he's running the other way. And now he's all by himself. Like that happened like, like at least three times, probably more yesterday. It was crazy. Like it's just, it's an insane natural ability that you're like, holy shit. Like it's just yeah. that holy shit fact. Like it's crazy yeah. what he can do like to just evade guy. I, I might declare it now. Oh, I don't even know if I want to do it because I'm going to get roasted for it. He might end up as the greatest Russian quarterback of all time. Like at this, I pace, mean, it's it, it's not crazy. It's not crazy. Like you're not the only person to say that. He is as explosive and has as much burst as Lamar Jackson. He's yep. just slightly less elusive. And I, like 
but from a statistical record standpoint, like he'll probably end up owning a lot of the a lot more records. Like he just yeah. he, he just might. He's like, on that track. He's on that. Lamar track. had to put the weight on. Justin's a little faster right now. It, it, it's just yes. What 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 he can do is insane. And you know, I'm again, I'm again about the narratives that are being created. I am so sick of already. It's been three weeks, and we're already starting to see. Oh, he's a running back. Oh, all he can do is run yeah. past more. He can't that was always to pass. happen. Oh my God, he's he's. It, it, it happened to Lamar. It happened to Jalen Hurts. That was always going to happen to Justin Fields too. Yeah, it's, that, it's that was inevitable. always going to happen. But I need people to understand that he is a far more capable passer than both yeah. Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. Like it's not I, even I said close. Because I, I had somebody uh, tweet me. Being like, what do you say to the people who are nitpicking Justin Fields throwing and saying that, you know, as it's easy to, if you look at the box score, I get it. If you're just looking at the box score and and it looks bad, if you're just like, if you didn't watch the game, if you're not watching the highlights, it looks bad if you just go look at the box score on its own, like in a vacuum. Yeah. I mean, the the numbers look terrible. They look awful. But if you're watching that game and some of these throws that he's making look great, like these people are choosing to ignore the throws he is making. Yes. The volume isn't there. Yes. The yards aren't there yet. And again, this goes back to look what he's working with. Chase Play- Clay- Chase Claypool couldn't even see the field for some reason yesterday. Don't know what that was about, but you know, we'll get into that. But the throws he is making, like, are great. Like to find Cole Komet when he did. Like, and Greta, he was on the run and there's mm-hmm. kind of a broken play, but to still be able to find Cole Komet there. Like he made multiple throws yesterday where it's like, oh yeah, like reminiscent of the touchdown throw to Darnell Mooney against Miami. Like those are great throws. Like these are awesome throws. He's just not letting it fly right now because he's working with, you know, Equinomia St. Brown. Like he's working with guys who just aren't very good. And if he can run and if he can break off these long touchdown runs, yeah, of course you're going to do that because that gets, that's more likely to get you touchdowns, obviously. Like yeah. you're cho- people who are nitpicking Justin Fields throwing are choosing not to look at the throws and look and like evaluate the throws that he is making. You're, cho- you're making a choice. Like you're choosing to be ignorant to that. And which is fine, but like we all can see it what you're doing. Right. Like you can say that, but you're wrong, you know, and you have to admit that. Like again, you know, how many plays of 40 plus yards have they hit on through the air this year? Mm -hmm. I mean, how how many? I mean, they're the most explosive rushing team in the NFL, probably gonna end up being the most explosive rushing team in NFL history, probably gonna end up as the best rushing team in NFL history from a yardage, uh, a seasonal yardage total. I would have to go back and check the pace, but you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about where they were. They needed a couple of other good games to to kind of surpass the pace of the 2019 Ravens, and they have done that, rushing for 200 plus yards in the past four games. Uh, it's absolutely insane. But when you talk about pure totals from the passing game, it's going to be hard for him to get up to even you know 250 when he's throwing the ball 16 times only, and he's not hitting on plays you know past 30 plus yards very often that are going to add up for you. And it's just it's not his fault. Again, protection was another big issue last last well, week. Uh, or not last week, yesterday. It was bad. I mean, again, you lose Tevin Jenkins yeah. and Mustafa is still alive. I know people have stopped talking about it. He's still a liability there. Now, I still believe that a line comprised of Braxton Jones, Cody Whitehair, Lucas Patrick, Tevin Jenkins, and Riley Reef can be good for you, but you're just missing too many pieces right now. You you, you right. just you, you're on, you lost your best offense. Are you out on Larry Borum? Uh, I'm not out on him, but he's not the answer. He'll he'll he okay. he will not be the starter at right tackle next year. I love the guy. He's he sent me a, a signed football and a and one of his playing cards. Cool, but uh, I, I just I can't be confident in him being the right tackle next year. 
Yeah, given what that's we've fair. seen from him. So I think far. that's a fair there, there's, there's a chance that he could develop and, and, and get to that point, but Riley Reef has looked like the better player this year. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to be the right tackle next year, but I, I think it'll be probably somebody else other than Larry Borum. So, I mean, the offensive line was part of the was part of the issue there, and I really think of one play where he had a clean pocket and he goes through three reads and hits Darna Mooney on like that 25-yard strike. Like the one play I can remember where he has a clean pocket mm-hmm. is when he, you know, is able to go through his reads, finds Darnell Mooney. It's like, oh, okay. So you give him a little time, then he can go through his read progressions and throw an absolute strike to an open receiver. Wow, what a concept. Crazy. Like it's uh, he is this guy, Justin, he's gonna be an MVP candidate next year. I mean, Jake, Joe Ostrowski, our guy, your guy, really. Uh, I don't know if Joe likes me very much based off our interactions on Twitter. Uh, he a, he, he, he's all in on Joseph Fields' Offensive Player of the Year. He has yeah, money on he it. He does. And what did he, he said today that he bet on Joseph Fields' Offensive Player of the Year 500 to 1. I saw the clip of, of, of your reaction when he did it, and it was hilarious. You couldn't believe it. Um, I was shocked. Now it's down to 50 to 1 mm-hmm. because he is putting the team on his back. Like literally on his, he's the best player on the field the past two weeks. Like, and it's not yeah, even close. Absolutely. So, you know, just again, we, we being a dead horse, but if you ha- take in consideration every single factor, offensive line, lack of receivers. I mean, that final play, you talked about him breaking three tackles. Like how, I don't, I got to see right. the all 22. How is no one open? Right. I mean, he, he buys 11 seconds of time. <sighs> how is no one open? Felt like an eternity too. It felt like an attorney. I'm like, okay, okay, he breaks this tackle. Now he's going to find the guy. He right. breaks this tackle. No, now he's going to find the guy. Well, the he, there was that moment. <clears throat> excuse me. There was that moment, too, where he had a second to, like, set his feet. And it looked like I was ready for him to just wind up and let it fly. Like, yeah. I mean, that's how many times have you seen Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers do that where there's a broken play like that and they shed a couple tackles they get away and they come set like that and you're like, oh, here we go. And then it just didn't happen. He ends up taking the sack. Game ends, obviously. but. You know, once you get actual people, like like I said, eventually that's going to turn into that play. Correct. And, and hopefully as soon as next year. But, <clears throat> man, but, you know, it just didn't happen. You're right. I mean, the offensive line is an issue, uh, among other things. What is not an issue, though? Kolkovet's good, man. Yeah, he's he's good. good. And, and great, a lot of, like, he had the long touchdown catch and it was a broken play and he was all by himself. He just had to trot in. But you can tell. Like, him and Justin Fields have a good connection. Like, they – like Justin Fields trusts him and you know, we can tell like the coaching staff keeps calling plays for him. Like his stock has like over the last two weeks, especially has gone through the roof Two four touchdowns over the last two weeks. He's second in the league in touchdowns among tight ends. Second. In That's the league. crazy. That's crazy. Like a guy who didn't score a touchdown for like a year and a half mm-hmm. has just scored four in the past two games. And I'll tell you where I think we were wrong. Okay. We gave the benefit of the doubt to Justin Fields and to other players on the offense of the incompetence of the coaching staff last year to put them in good positions. Sure. We didn't give the same benefit of the doubt to Cole Komet. We did not. I mean, the way that they're utilizing him is reminiscent, uh, I've already said, of, of what is being done to Travis Kelsey in Kansas City, what they do with Mark Andrews in Baltimore. And we were right about the fact that, yeah, Cole Komet isn't one of those guys. He's not as fast. He's not as athletic. But – you put him in the right situations, you play to his strengths, see what he can do well, and he's going to produce. And they are using him perfectly. And it is it does yep. it does wonders for your offense. And again, like you're you're discovering now, hey, like this is a guy we don't need to 
pick a tight end in the draft, maybe until like the sixth round. We don't need to spend money on Mike Kosicki. Like all of those questions and 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 considerations are out the door. Like you yeah. have a tight end one. You have a tight end one. Like 100%. he's probably right now playing like the best tight end since Greg Olson for your franchise. Oh, 100%. Like, 100%. That's not, I mean, not I, even close. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, Martellus Bennett for a couple of games could yeah, maybe make the, the, the case, but, but I mean, he, he's balling, man. And I, I, look, I, again, I was wrong. I mean, I was, I, I was almost out on him, you know? And, but it, I don't but think you, you, you were, you were, like, you were, you were <laughs> three quarters of the way through the door. Well, again, it, I, I was never, I was never out on him. I was more of like, oh, we should have taken Anton Winfield. Oh, we should have taken. Yeah, that was always, I mean? the like, it was, it was always the thing. It was always the thing. Yeah. But I, I, I admittedly was, was, I never thought he would score four touchdowns in two games. You know, I thought they needed to use him more, but yeah. I, I was, I got to a point again, I got, I got to see it. I got to a point where, oh, he's just not good enough. I, I just, right. he's just yeah. not good enough. That's why he's not getting the ball. That's why he's not being schemed up. He's just that. not good. And he can't I mean, get open. We, we right? both said that. And, and, well, and, and, I mean, I, I said, he's probably not, never going to be that past catching guy, you know, exactly. like, you know, he could be useful, but he's probably just never going to be as effective as he was now. And then, I mean, listen, I, I got like, Credit, I called it. I called this. Like yeah. once that Chase Claypool trade happened, I was like, "Watch the trickle down effect here." And I, like, I did not expect to this extent, but like, right. this is the dream scenario. Like, this is this is Justin Fields' safety blanket now. Like, he's like, <laughs> he's got that trust factor. He's gonna have him underneath all the time. And now clearly, he can like rip off these broken plays, or even like last week, you know, where he just runs it in and he's running guys over. Like, that's a huge piece for your offense. That's another thing. For you know, next year we're like, oh, you know, you like, I I know the Darnell Mooney Justin Fields connection has been a little bit underwhelming this year, and that's probably mostly a product of the passing offense. But like, the, what what is the reason that we don't think that Cole Komet and Justin Fields next year can be what we thought Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields were going to be? Like, and, and that's not, and I'm not saying I'm out on Darnell Mooney. I still think he'd be no, really good. Yeah. But like, we kind of didn't consider that this could happen too. No. We didn't. We absolutely we we didn't even you know pitch that idea that it could become right. what it's become. And it's so funny. It's so weird because I don't even know if it's the presence of Chase Claypool that's changing things because he hasn't been on the field, and that's a good. The transition. offense has just gotten better in general. Sure, yeah, sure. the offense has just gotten better in general, and I would agree with your your you know statement that you know and I, yeah, does he make an impact in at certain times? One hundred percent. But if he were on the field 80% of the time, then it'd be like, oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely the fact that you have this guy now, at least just as a decoy threatening defense is opening things up for you. But he was on the field six snaps less this game than he was against the Dolphins. And, and that's, you know, we said we'd talk about this. Let's talk about it. I, I tweeted it during the game. What, what is the reason to ha- not have him out there? Like, I don't understand at all. And then I said this in, in a tweet. I said, if you are going to make this trade-off of we're going to trade away defensive assets, you know, and, and get capital, but hey, we're we're essentially using some of those assets on an offensive player, that player better be on the field 80% of the time. Like if that is the trade-off you're making, yeah. like if you're if you're saying we're gonna be okay with the worst defense in football, uh, but we're gonna do what we can to get an offensive player here to make the offense better, but he's only on the field 19 snaps, that's unacceptable. I'm sorry. Yeah. That is like this is a second round pick you traded for him and he has done nothing for you. N- zero negative. Like, and I don't think it's chase Claypool's fault. I don't think he's a bad player. I'm not out on chase Claypool. I'm just confused as to why he's not being utilized. It's not a playbook thing. When you're, 
you're a wide receiver. Can you run a slant route? Yeah, he could run a fucking slant route. Run a slant route. It's not that effing hard. He's played football his whole right. life. You know what I mean? So I don't want to say it's concerning, but it's confusing. It makes no sure. sense. And for the value that – like our whole point, half of the point of him getting traded to the Chicago Bears was we know probably he may not be here long term, but he's at least here for the uh, the rest of this year and next year, right? So, oh, it, it's good that we traded for him because we have these nine games now for him to get acclimated and connecting with Justin Fields. And, and they haven't done that. There's no connections being created. You're wasting these games that we talked about are valuable for that connection. So I look, I, I know there's people say, oh, he's only been there 12 days. I, like wide receiver is probably the position that matters least about knowing the playbook, in my opinion. Eh. Like, I mean, you hey, still got to know like what routes and stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, it, hey, run a go. Probably, I think it's, I, I think you're right. It's not concerning yet. It is confusing. Um, it could be explained away completely. I mean, maybe it's just he's simply not ready. Maybe he's simply, you know, maybe <clears throat> maybe something happened in the Miami game where he has something that's hampering him a little bit, some kind of nagging injury. I don't know. Um, I think if it continues again this week against a bad Falcons defense, granted, like the Lions defense is terrible, but if it happens again against a, a, the second week in a row against a bad defense, then I'll be concerned. Like, if he only plays 19 snaps again, then I'll be concerned. And then we'll have to start asking questions. Because you're right. You you paid a, a, a pretty big, hefty price for this guy to try and get your quarterback, you know, uh, another playmaker. And your quarterback's balling out right now, and this guy's nowhere to be found. So I, I think you're right. It's not concerning. It's confusing. Uh, obviously, that confusion can go away like that in, in one game, really. So I'll be concerned if it happens again this week. But – Okay. I'm mostly in wait and see mode right now with Chase Claypool. That's fair. Yeah, so that, and he he deserves he deserves he deserves that. Like again, this is not on him, and I don't want people to be out on Chase Claypool. Mm-hmm. It's just hey, that was a game where clearly he was needed. Like clearly they weren't getting right. things going on on offense versus a very bad defense. And you're and in those situations, you know, if if the Bears were clicking in the passing offense and you're and, and Darnell Mooney's playing really well and and Cole, you know playing really well. Then it'd be like, fine, you know, they just didn't need him out there today. Why risk something? You know, if he truly doesn't know the playbook, why risk something? Why risk him running the wrong route and throwing a pick six or something like that when it's not needed? Well, guess what? It was needed. It was very much needed on Sunday. They desperately needed to get things going in the passing game, uh, especially late in the game when he's supposed to be that guy who can, you know, do everything for you if you need to throw a ball up in the air. And he just he wasn't out there. So that's where I was a little bit confused. And it's like, again, like if he is going to be out there, right? If you are going to put him out there, then don't just run a jet sweep with him. Don't like it's the yeah, same thing with Baylor Jones Jr. It's predictable. If he's going to be out there, like at some point, if this is your strategy for the first couple of weeks, oh, anytime Chase Claypool's out there, he's going to run a, a jet sweep. Like it, it's team's going to, you know, key in on that. Right. So like I just a Chase Claypool can be a very good player for this team, but they just they just gotta. They got to set them up for success. And and maybe this is the week, right? You know, again, we said it took a long time for them to figure out what they want to do on offense in the beginning of the year. And maybe it'll just take a long time for them to figure out what they want to do with Chase Claypool. Like, that is totally possible. It's just as a fan, you know, you just want to see that. You you, you just want to see right. this guy you trade as a ground pick for make plays. That's all. Well, especially because it is at, like, a premium position and, you know, you, something that people were excited about. And now we haven't seen, we haven't seen him. You know, his pictures on milk boxes that they're handed out. Because have you seen this man? Like, it's... You know, that, that's why we're all, you know, we just want to see the big plays. And that was, especially when the offense is playing so well. Like, that's something that, you know, that acquisition was like, all right, here we go now. And, again, you know, haven't seen him. So, 
we'll see what happens there. But overall, I mean, the offense and the way that's progressed, I mean, the continued progression from the offense is very, 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 very um, like very heartening and very encouraging uh, to see because, you know, like the gaudy passing yards aren't there, but the touchdowns are there. The running ability is there. Like every, like this, this was always the thing, the consistency. We've now seen it for four weeks straight, four games straight now where your offense has continually played well and scored at least four touchdowns and you're just going. And like, there's no reason to believe that this can't continue and it can't keep going upward, which is huge. I mean, that's all we were begging for it. Even in last year, we were begging for the consistency. And it seems like they found a formula that works. This offense is far from a finished product. Justin mm-hmm. Fields is far from a finished product, which really should make us feel even better. Yes. It should make you feel great because this is still like training wheel stuff. Like, you know, like they still got the training wheels on for the most part. So that's the thing. Like, that's the part that's encouraging. Like, even if you don't win these games, as long as you see that continued progression, which we have week to week to week to week so far over the last four weeks, it's been great. And, and that's what you can cheer for. That's what you can latch on to and be like, this is exciting. And then, you know, not going into next season, you're like, all right, that momentum that we started last year on offense, now we keep going. Now, you know, now we get more intricate. Now we make really open up the playbook, and now we go. That's what you're latching on to. That's what you're rooting for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your best offense in the league the past three weeks. Yeah. Like what – like it's – and and what you said – here's what you said that's really important. The touchdowns are there. Right, Justin Fields, 11 touchdowns in his last three games. I think he's got like the most touchdowns in the league since week eight. That's crazy. Like the premise of football is not to accumulate yards. It's to score touchdowns. Is it not? Right. And we looked at Lamar Jackson's 2019 MVP season, 3,100 passing yards, but he scored 38 touchdowns. Like, I don't care how you get there. If you get in the end zone, that's all I care about. If you got if 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 people out there are really concerned about yardage, go look at Andy Dalton's stats for the Chicago Bears last year. He's throwing for 300 plus yards, but no touchdowns. Like I don't care how you get down the field. If you score, that's all that matters. A four touchdown game in back-to-back games by a Bears quarterback is unheard of. It's yep. not even a real thing. We can't even fathom it. And it has just happened. Man. So like Let's relax on the yardage totals. Touchdowns are what matters. And when it comes down to these awards that Justin Fields will be in the running for, not just this, not not next year, but potentially this year, it's going to be because he's scoring touchdowns, not because they're adding up his yardage total. His yardage total. I mean, they will be for the rushing yards, but not for the passing yards. So uh, I'm all in on that. And, 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 you know, how about Jack Sample? Yeah. Man. You might have a, a an undrafted gem. You might. I mean, right. twelve tackles, two he sacks. He was everywhere. Two. It should have had an interception. Bullshit call on Jalen Johnson. Yeah. I mean, bullshit. Yeah. Like, I don't want to call. I, I, I tweeted. I, I said Trinity Benson should transition to playing soccer. Uh, the way he's flopping. But I, I, I actually think he like tore his ACL when he like planted. So I yeah. do kind of feel bad for him because he like hobbled off the field. Uh, I don't know. But the bottom here's here's the thing about Jack Sanborn. Right. Does it not prove to you how right we were and maybe how right Ryan Poles was about the value of Roquan Smith? I mean, if, if an undrafted rookie can put up better numbers than Roquan put up all year, then how, how would Roquan Smith have been warranted to earn $20 million a year? I mean, Jack Sanborn's probably not even making a million dollars a year. And he's now, put up a better stat granted, than Roquan Smith. Granted, this could have been like a first start of the year pop. Yes. 
Got got to yes. see it for a couple more weeks right. in a row. <laughs> but again, when we talk about value, yes, this guy is an undrafted rookie who just had a better game all season than what Roquan Smith did at all. An undrafted rookie. And one guy, the guy you traded away, wanted $20 million. And this guy, look up his salary. What's he making? He's probably not even making a million. There's no way he's making a million. Right? Like, this is the definition of value. This is the definition of good value and good, you know, how a good organization operates. They they find these guys. So, I'm extremely impressed with Jack Sanborn. And and it's not out of the question. Base salary this year, 705K. I mean, he should have had a pick. He should have sealed the game yeah. with an interception. Like, the guy was all over the field. And, yeah, like, it's the Lions offense. But, it, yeah, know, it is Jared Goff. <laughs> it is Jared Goff. But would you rather pay a guy $20 million, make him the highest paid player position, or get a little bit of value right. out of a guy you're paying $705,000? Well, you, you made a good point. This is what good teams do like this is what if you're the bears that's exactly what you need like you need to find these like unexpected gems if if sam Horn is that guy i'm not saying hand of the 10-year contract right now but if he turns into like even if he turns into a rotational guy he was an undrafted free agent like that's still a, a valuable piece so yeah i mean jack Sanborn, credit to him has played really well played really really well so credit Absolutely. to him hopefully hopefully he can be a piece that'd be i mean that'd be great for ryan pulse that's one less thing you have to worry about so yeah, one hundred percent. But this was good, Kevin. I feel like we. I feel like you got a lot out. I feel like you you needed this. This was like this was. I did. This was Bears therapy before Bears therapy. It it, it was. I I I definitely needed it. You know because, <laughs> I, it's, I like I, I'm still again. I I'm still gonna root for the wins and whatever. But the, the silver linings are there. I just need to be reminded of the silver linings, right? Yes. And that's why last night I watched the highlights. I w- I'm not lying to you. I watched like 25 minutes I, worth of. I, I, I laughed. I laughed when I saw that tweet. That was very funny. So, it's it's all gonna be okay. It, We're all it gonna will be all be okay. It's all <laughs> gonna be fine. It's at the end of the day, you're playing close, competitive games, and your quarterback looks sure. awesome. It's all gonna be fine. Everybody, take a breath. Everybody, just woosaw <laughs> for a second. It's gonna be okay. It's all right. A couple losses are going to be okay. So, as always, this has been Bears Nation Podcast. Thank you to all the commenters, all the viewers live, as always. Thank you to the listeners and podcast forum. We, of course, love and appreciate you just as much. Everybody go to BetStamp. Use our code BEARS to get the best prices, get the best value. Help yourself make some money by going to BetStamp and using our code BEARS. For myself, For Kevin Lapka, this has been Bears Nation Podcast. I promise it's all going to be okay. We will see you Wednesday to preview the game against the Falcons. So until then, bear down.